Hello, everyone, and welcome to Masters of Digital Transformation, a podcast from the AIM10X network dedicated to uncovering the best practices and most viable learnings from the world's leading change agents and community of global innovators. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and as always, we're here to provide you with actionable insights from today's greatest thought leaders to guide and accelerate your journeys. In today's episode, we'll be joined by a partner at McKinsey & Company and the co-author of the new book, From Source to Sold, Stories of Leadership and Supply Chain, Knut Alik, and O9 Solutions Chief Product Officer Umesh Arasu to discuss the role of AI in driving the digital transformation of supply chains. We'll start by talking about what AI is and isn't when we think about supply chain technology before we discuss how AI can be used to sort through the often overwhelming amounts of data available to leaders today. We'll then close out the conversation by talking about what next steps supply chain leaders should take in their digital transformation journey as it relates to AI. But before we get into the topic at hand, let's start by introducing today's very special guests. First up, we're joined by Knut Elik, a partner of the supply chain management practice at McKinsey & Company. He joined the firm in August of 2004 and also serves as a professor in supply chain management at KIT. Knut is also the author of the recent bestseller, From Source to Sold. Knut, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Looking forward to the discussion. I'd also like to welcome Umesh Arasu. Umesh is the Chief Product Officer at O9 Solutions, and he leads product management and marketing initiatives that leverage the O9 Digital Brain platform. Throughout his career, he has built a strong track record of bringing innovative enterprise applications to market focused on integrated business planning and business intelligence. Umesh, welcome to Masters of Digital Transformation. Thank you, Caleb. Looking forward to the discussion today with Knut. Likewise, likewise. Well, I am so thrilled to be speaking with both of you about what I would say is a very timely and increasingly important topic, and that is AI, and more specifically, using AI to drive supply chain digital transformation. So let's just start off by getting the elephant out of the room and acknowledging that AI, or artificial intelligence, has probably been one of the most buzzed about words and not even just supply chain, but tech in general over the last decade. And I think there's really been quite a a bit of a misunderstanding or at the very least a lack of clarity on exactly what AI is and what it can do for business leaders. And I wanna hone in again on that area of supply chain today. So Umesh, if you could kick us off here, when we talk about AI and ML or machine learning and the supply chain, what exactly can a successful AI implementation do to help supply chain leaders make more informed decisions? That's a great question. But uh, before we get into AI, how AI can help, let's spend a minute on what really AI means in the context of supply chains. As you know, AI has, has gained popularity over the last few years as a way to leverage high-powered computing and, and advanced algorithms to really mimic the human problem-solving or decision-making capabilities. Uh, in reality, however, the human brain is the, really the most complex and advanced computer that can process all kinds of sensory inputs and, and really convert them into knowledge. Uh, the human brain is everything, right? Like it's a predictive, prescriptive, and a learning system that's continuously looking for information, including outliers or anomalies. So wherever things didn't go as planned, it tries to reconcile and and evolve its knowledge models. Based on this learning, it's enhancing the knowledge models continuously and and using that to predict and prescribe. Now, having said that, our focus really is AI in the context of integrated planning and and decision-making. Since we are talking primarily about learning and prediction, 
data has over the last few years become really abundant and, and the most precious commodity for an enterprise. Why is this important? Because enterprises are assimilating a lot of data, but are having a hard time converting that into knowledge. This is precisely where AI ML can, can help supply chain leaders convert any and every data that's relevant to their business into, into these knowledge or knowledge graphs that can help connect the dots both uh, within and outside the enterprise to transform their decision-making capabilities. With that being said, successful implementations of AI ML can, can result in significant improvements for companies that are looking to transition from these traditional operating models to digital operating models. And what do we mean by that? It, it's really what we've been seeing over the last few years and, and further exposed by the pandemic. The ineptitude of traditional operating model companies to, to transition quickly at the speed and agility as, as business changes. Most businesses have had a hard time keeping up with the so-called Amazons or the Ubers or Netflixes of the world because their models could not easily adapt when, when consumer traffic or buying patterns change suddenly. These digital operating models are allowing enterprises to not only anticipate demand better, but also sense disruptions much, much earlier so, so they can take proactive actions rather than being reactionary and, and missing the boat. So instead of relying on these tribal knowledges and, and spreadsheets that do not cut it in today's really TikTok world where consumers have so many choices and, and limited attention span, uh, I would say business leaders are looking at ways of leveraging technology as a key enabler of intelligent decision-making that can really give them the insights, recommendations, and these predictions at scale. All right. Well, thank you so much for laying that out and also adding a little bit of background context that is definitely going to be helpful for listeners. It sounds like a good AI implementation can really just give business leaders more honed and specific information to help enable better decision making. And Umesh, now that you've defined exactly what it is we're talking about today, uh, Knut, I want to turn it over to you here for a moment. You've worked with clients from all over the globe. What are some of the most common pain points or constraints that you've encountered or heard frequently when speaking to supply chain leaders about AI and ML? What, what we see is that AI ML is, is seen as magic. The topic started uh, 10 years ago and uh, people thought that, oh, now we have um, finally cracked the question of how we do we forecast. It is seen as a forecast is, is going to be perfect. So super high focus accuracy. And with this, people think that, hey, now everything is solved. Unfortunately, that is that is not the case. So we, we see a couple of constraints and, and, and Umesh already mentioned a couple of them. So one is data. Um, so if you kind of um, are in a business where you, let's say, produce only 50 machines per year, um, then it's hard to really kind of use um, AI to predict. Then you need to also know how good the data is that you use. There's a lot of um, data out there that is just not reliable and does not help in predicting. You need to make sure that you include the planner. Planners are always skeptical. They want to understand the algorithm. By definition, you cannot really go into the details of an, an, an ML engine and understand everything. So here you need to have different ways, and we'll probably talk about this later, to explain. And you need to make sure that you have um, a translator, translator of tech and supply chain, and that you bring these two together. What we often saw is that our clients kind of set up set up pilots, right? So some clients say that, hey, I have more pilots than Lufthansa. And, and then they start to work. And um, because they do not really connect it to the business and they do not solve the business problem, the solution is not used, it's not scaled. So pilots 
prove to be successful, but they don't scale. Companies that, that do that better, they clearly focus on a few pilots. They know what to do, and then they scale, and then they solve big problems. Another very interesting topic is, it's kind of very detailed, but how does um, an improved focus accuracy help to reduce inventory? As we said, that there is a lot of potential out there. But look, if the clients uh, of us still use a classical days on hand or even fixed quality stock policy, then the best forecast does not really help to reduce inventory. So it also needs to be integrated into an end-to-end planning system and into an end-to-end planning process. Otherwise, it falls short. Yes, we we are going to talk a lot more about how AI can help with sorting through that data. But just to give listeners an idea of exactly what sorts of business problems AI can be used to help solve, Knut, could you tell me what types of predictive decision-making a good AI can help? Yes, and um, let me just refer to a, a couple of applications that where we helped our clients with. Clearly, it's predicting demand, customer demand, especially in, in retail where you have a lot of data available here, you can really, really improve the accuracy. If you link this also with dynamic pricing, if you're in e-commerce, that is super, super powerful. We also helped an, an e-commerce player to predict the picks per day they need to execute. And this was then used uh, to inform the workforce planning system in the warehouse. And with this, um, they were able to reduce the workforce by 10% because they would not stand idle, but they would be picking. Then we have another uh, application that is quite interesting. And especially in these days where we used to predict the expected time of arrival of, um, for example, a container vessel. It's very interesting that this is, especially in these days, still very, very bad in terms of predicting. But everyone, every company that waits for this stuff to come in needs to have a date where they say, yeah, now I know whether I need to replan or not. So here we uh, kind of um, used all historical data available even going down to the to the captain and to the vessel and to predict when will the vessel be arriving at a port and with this kind of informing a decision on should we replan or should we not replan. And then there's clearly applications in, in maintenance, kind of predicting when a machine will, will break down and then do predictive maintenance. And then the a recent um, last example is in, in cleaning master data, which is very, very interesting to kind of learn whether kind of lead time is correct. Those are great practical examples because at the end of the day, the goal of AI is really to solve very real and pressing business problems. And I want to take that line of thinking that, Knut, you just talked about, and I want to apply it to the overwhelming amount of data that we are currently experiencing, whether we think about the supply chain disruptions related to the pandemic that we've already referenced today, or perhaps it could be the ongoing inflation challenges, or maybe even potentially the unexpected global geopolitical conflicts that were experienced earlier in 2022 as it uh, relates to Ukraine. Having an agile and resilient supply chain is going to be essential to meeting the demands of today's consumers. So, Knut, I want to hear from you again here. I mean, how can AI ML solutions help business leaders more quickly make those informed decisions? If we think about what was important in the last two, two and a half years, I would say speed and agility is, is of the essence. And if you think about kind of classical, hey, we do a forecast every month and, um, and then we require historical data, right? we look into the back mirror, not into the front. That does not really help if there is a, a disruption and that disruption needs to be managed. So how can AI and ML help? If you think about the different uh, shopping behavior of, um, of customers when the lockdown started, 
It's an excellent example because when it started, no, no one knew what is going to happen. The algorithms did learn very, very fast. So within a couple of weeks, they would understand that the shopping behavior is different. So speaking of Europe, they learned that, hey, Thursday evening and Friday, which were the strong days and Saturday, were now kind of smoothed around the week, right? So here you can use that for replenishment decisions, for staffing decisions, and so on. You would also be able to kind of quickly evaluate um, um, solutions. You would be able to, to kind of prepare scenarios. So here kind of being fast and being quickly accurate did, did really help. The, the other option would be that you have an experienced planner and that, that planner says, hmm, let me think about what happens and then come up with a solution. The, the challenge is that you have a lot of influencing factors, right? And the experienced planner can clearly handle one, two, three influencing factors. But then um, you might have 10, you might have 15 influencing factors, some kind of pushing sales up, others pushing sales down. And this is where these algorithms did really help. What we also see, we did a, we did a survey on, on supply chain risk and resilience over the last three years. So basically a yearly survey of what did our clients experience. And what we kind of learned is that a lot of our clients really go into implementing um, new solutions for planning. It's also necessary, right? Because Excel will just not deliver if you need to be very, very fast and very accurate. Be to be very clear, because as it's so hyped, people think that we can also predict the next disruption. And this was extremely hard, right? Because this is clearly a black swan event that happens once, has a big impact, but um, don't try to predict the next disruption. Set up your company to be able to be as agile as possible and to use the algorithms to kind of work through the disruption. You really could say that we've experienced black swan event after black swan event the last two to three years. And if we look at the larger supply chain landscape, one of the key takeaways from these crises is really that you just have to be prepared to be agile because you never know when the next event is going to happen. And with that in mind, Umesh, I, I want to turn it back to you. If we think about these times of crises that we are frequently finding ourselves in, especially supply chain leaders, there are so many more data points available than there have been in decades past. From your perspective, why is it so important that the data processed by AI ML be clean and accurate? I would say in the not so distant past, not having enough data or high quality data was one of the biggest problems that enterprises had. But now with the advancement of data storage, big data, data lakes, etc., along with a myriad of data ingestion options such as APIs or much more scalable formats such as Parquet for large volumes, there are large amounts of data coming in from various points in the supply chain. The onus really shifts from collecting data to converting this data into knowledge. So organizations must really rely on analytics and, and AIML to extract the necessary insights from the data. Right? The AIML algorithms leverage data to perform, for example, post-game analysis such as root cause analysis or identifying correlations of the most significant drivers of demand to generate representative analytical models and, and eventually enable AI automation. The predictive and prescriptive models allow these companies to parse through these large data sets at, at really big data scale. So with advanced technologies like the O9 Digital Brain platform, the lack of data or clean data should not really be a reason to avoid generating these insights. I would give a couple of analogies related to the human brain. Similar to the human brain, these platforms should really be architected to build intelligent models that can be used to, to retrieve information quickly 
and enable rapid decision-making with, with limited information. For example, decision-making platforms need to be able to uh, connect all types of data and all kinds of data structures for real-time propagation of information right throughout your enterprise. As an analogy, for example, the human brain is, is able to process all this data and data structures based on just purely sensory inputs, right? Like smell or taste or voice, et cetera. And then those are then used to process it. And, and like we mentioned before, these can then be converted into knowledge, right? So, so these platforms that are data reliant should be able to model all the elements of your market, your elements of your demand, elements of your supply chain, hierarchies, your networks, both unstructured data and any type of data structure and, and establish the connections between them. Because of that, we're able to propagate the information, the AIML insights that are being generated and recommendations need to be propagated throughout the enterprise in a much more real time. So for example, any changes in the market, say a consumer sentiment for a new product is high, due to a celebrity endorsement or social influencers, uh, the knowledge graph will should automatically instantaneously propagate that to the relevant connected models or the impacted product owners or impacted initiatives, consumer intelligence models, or even demand knowledge models, et cetera. Now, what this allows us to do is in, it incorporates the risks and opportunities that are associated with these inputs. Really, that's the essence of the AIML recommendation engines is to identify these outliers, the risks and opportunities. And like I mentioned earlier, AIML is effective when, when your platform is able to convert the big data into knowledge, right? So what is really the problem today, right? Most companies have lots of data and they're building data lakes and data warehouses that's all over the place. But there is a big difference between just data and knowledge. The human brain works by converting data into knowledge. Uh, if you take an example of your lifetime of observations of foods that you've eaten, the brain doesn't remember every instance of what you ate, right? But it has converted that into knowledge by constantly enriching the memory and, and coming up with information so that based on your micro and macro changes in the environmental factors that are happening every day, the brain is allowed, able to recommend what foods you might like today or you may not like today because of the knowledge that it has built up. So the, the digital brain platform should really be able to integrate all of those data lakes and convert them into knowledge models that can then be used for planning and decision making. Umash, I love the analogy of the digital brain. Thank you so much for providing that uh, very clear uh, story and example. Now, Knut, I want to turn it back to you as we think about having all of the data points available, especially able to connect through a single platform. That's really going to require leaders to get creative in how they break down silos. So from what you've seen in your perspective, how should leaders approach breaking down silo departments or legacy systems to ensure that their selected AI and ML technology has the most complete data set? Yeah, as, as Umesh said, companies are data rich and insight poor, right? So that is something that we need to really, really address. Uh, what we also see is that um, companies um, tend to collaborate better with customers and suppliers than internally. Right. So here, very, very uh, important to indeed break down the silos. So a couple of couple of ideas what uh, what needs to be done. People need to understand what's going on, what the data is used for, and they need to see a benefit for that. If you just tell them that, hey, this is going to, to work, they, they will not accept this. Because what they see is they see a black box, right? And this black box needs to be open, so to say, and we need to make it um, available for them. Um, Umesh talked about explainability. They will never really get the, the details of the algorithm 
but they need to understand, hey, oh, this algorithm really helps me in my decision-making process. Also, try not to get the planners and the people out of the process. Involve them in the process because there's always kind of bits and pieces, contextual knowledge and so on. The AI engine will never learn and where planners can, can really help. Now, this basically means that you need to kind of work together um, along the value chain. And here you need to see a clear benefit um, and you need to kind of speak the language of the other departments to kind of get the data and then also play back something, right? Only kind of taking the data and not playing back is, uh, is not a good idea. You're not going to be able to have that end-to-end planning that Umesh is talking about if there are those silos. I just want to reiterate and underscore that point. So data sets will be incomplete if coming from silos. But I really want to shift gears here. Knut, as we begin to head towards the conclusion of our conversation, you recently released a book titled From Source to Sold. Firstly, congratulations. Secondly, I mean, in the book, you interviewed dozens of supply chain leaders. So when it comes to embracing these new technologies like AIML, what would you say were some of the most common challenges or pain points that were cited by leaders uh, that went into the book? So thanks a lot for congratulating. The book is something where Berardo and I kind of talked last year in summer, and we kind of felt that, hey, supply chain is in the press, right? But the supply chain people still don't tell the supply chain story. So we wanted to understand what are stories of people, of supply chain leaders, to really reach the top. And it, it was interesting uh, conversations indeed, um, because it was all very, very different. So there is no kind of, hey, this is kind of the standard five steps you need to do, and then you become a leader. Uh, we tried to summarize this in the chain model that I'm happy to, to go uh, through a bit more in detail. But what we found is, especially in terms of these new technologies, so all of the, the people we interviewed, all of the contributors are lifelong learners. They are very interested in latest and greatest in tech. They love to kind of experiment with new technology. They are also kind of eager to try out stuff themselves. Um, so one of the contributors, uh, she basically said they just recently took a Python course, this as a chief supply chain officer of a decent company, just to kind of understand what's going on and speak the same language of the data scientists. They are all active readers. They attend conferences. So here kind of understand what is possible. And then to the discussion we just had in terms of silos, all of them were very clear that all of this technology is only working if we really apply it the organization. In addition, there was a very interesting humbleness of these leaders, and that clearly helped to convince people. And it, it felt like they all breathe end to end, right? And uh, by definition, with this, they breathe collaboration, they breathe, hey, we work together. And uh, a lot of them also had examples, had great examples where they said that, hey, we wanted to, for example, invite our suppliers into an, our SNOP meeting. But before we did this, we first of all needed to talk to our people in sales and marketing in R&D to make sure that they are also um, aligned and to show the benefit of this. So again, listeners, the title of the book is From Source to Sold, Stories of Leadership in Supply Chain. Umesh, I want to get your take on a couple of things Knut just mentioned there, because when we think about lifelong learners, one of the most important things to understanding new technology is actually understanding what you don't know, or even perhaps what questions you should be asking about new technologies. So from your perspective, what are some of the main questions that supply chain leaders should be asking vendors as it relates to their capabilities for AI and ML? Great question. I think I would answer this really in the context of the business problem. So what are supply chain leaders really looking for, right? It's, it's, 
really how to enable better and faster and really synchronized decision-making in the enterprise. And in the context of an enterprise, there are hundreds and thousands of decisions really being made across the enterprise every day. There are commercial decisions related to new products, marketing, sales. There are supply chain decisions that are across the supply chain activities of the enterprise that are related to like positioning of material and capacity and, and then fulfilling customer demand, et cetera. And then obviously there are financial decisions that are related to setting budgets and targets and, and then allocating resources and the forecast that you commit to external stakeholders and so on, right? So these, these are functional planning processes, but they're largely operating in silos today, right? The first question really to answer in this regard is, do the AIML solutions integrate seamlessly with your integrated planning and decision-making uh, solution. Most companies have experimented with AIML in, in analytics and, and many companies have yet to fully implement these AIML strategies, but the AIML applications are really about bridging the gap between analytics, data science, and planning. So AIML applications should not, should, cannot continue to be siloed from the integrated planning system since they are really an integral part of the decisions being made. So first and foremost is that they need to be embedded and connected with planning and decision-making rather than a separate, separate decision-making platform. The next question I would ask is how comprehensive or adoptable is the AIML platform, right? Otherwise, if folks are not going to adopt the platform, then how is it going to be used or what's the value of that, right? While there are really similarities between a, a traditional enterprise software system and an, an ML platform, such as the scalability and security and, and enterprise ML platform poses many unique challenges, such as integrating with data platforms and high performance computing infrastructure for, for these large scale model trainings and so on, right? So some of the capabilities for, for a comprehensive AI ML platform really include your end-to-end -end ML lifecycle management, right? To, to support both data science, experimentation, production-grade operations, deployments at such as large-scale model training, model management, uh, feature management or feature engineering, and model hosting with high availability and scalability, right? The, the second is around the training, deployment, and integration of these pipelines, right? Where the models need to be tested, validated, monitored continuously and, and retrained when the data drifts or model drifts are detected or the training data has changed. The thirdly is around MLOps, right? So MLOps support to provide the monitoring of the statuses, errors and metrics of different pipeline workflows, processing or training jobs and, and the model serving engine. And then the support for different programming languages is key for adoption and these ML frameworks, right? Because we don't want proprietary frameworks that nobody knows about because this allows the data scientists and, and ML engineers to work on different ML problems using the programming language that they are more familiar with, like the ML libraries of their choice. Right? It, it needs to support these popular languages such as Python and R, as well as uh, ML packages such as TensorFlow or PyTorch, et cetera. And then obviously there's computing, hardware resource management, right? So depending on the model training and the inference needs, and the cost considerations and enterprise-grade ML platform needs to support these different types of compute hardware, such as CPUs and GPUs and a host of other capabilities are required, right? Such as integration with third-party systems or software or your authentication authorization frameworks, your data security encryption, code library maintenance, your artifacts management, et cetera. 
So the biggest question to answer is how well is your solution set up for enterprise-grade analytics? Uh, running analytics and experiments at scale is a totally different ballgame, right, from running these theoretical and academic experiments. So these platforms need to be carefully evaluated and considered for production-grade deployments. And that is really the key, some of those key considerations for, for these solutions. Well, unfortunately, we are about out of time, but I did want to give each one of you an opportunity to weigh in with a final word. Knut, I'll start with you. For listeners who are interested in further exploring AIML tech and their supply chain, what next steps would you recommend to them on their journeys? It clearly depends on the current maturity, right? Whether you're a starter or whether you're already running some, some pilots. Um, as a company, try it out, do a pilot, focus, and then make sure that you scale that. Together with the World Economic Forum, we have this uh, this lighthouse network, which was expanded into end-to-end -end planning like two, three years ago. And here we found that the companies that are able to scale a pilot are much, much more profitable and successful than others who cannot stay at the pilot stage. So try out, be curious, learn the stuff, apply it, make sure that it has a business impact, and then scale it. Great words of closing advice there, Knut. Umesh, what next steps would you recommend to our listeners today? I mean, I know it's cliched, but enterprises really need to work through a crawl, walk, run strategy or a journey. AIML projects cannot be deployed overnight, right? You need, you'll have to carefully consider various factors, starting from establishing a, a business case and charter for AIML within your organization, getting executive sponsorship from the chief data or digital officer. And, and depending on the maturity, it may result in a lot of recruiting of qualified data scientists and analysts or engineers, or these get outsourced to COE models where they can be leveraged as on-demand services. The next would be really to introspect your own data maturity, right? Like we have discussed so far, the, the power of AIML is deeply intertwined with data availability and quality. And unless the company has a good strategy for data quality and governance, these projects tend to become siloed. And, and here we are not just talking about the, the usual suspects in terms of standard ERP or warehouses or enterprise data sources, but also these external market data sources, both structured and unstructured. And then it comes to technology strategy, right? On how AIML influences your business decisions, like we talked about before, the key requirements for AIML platforms need to be considered to have it effectively connected to your planning and decision making. This includes hardware and scaling on, on demand strategy on, on the demand strategy as, as coding and experimentation require different strategies compared to production or, or runtime environments. NetNet, I'd say, I mean, the decision-making technology stack is, is quite complex in, in these large enterprises. There are data stacks that are reporting, there are reporting stacks, there are integration stacks, prediction stacks for no-code or code-heavy algorithms, technology for post-game insights and learning and, and algorithm development. But if you think of it, all of these are in the aid of decision-making right at the end. They're, they're making the life of the business user very complex today, uh, driving adoption to be much lower. So in the future of planning, as we drive more and more intelligent planning, more and more automated planning, modern and more automated decision making, we see these technology stacks as having to be completely transformed to, to really bring them together into an integrated planning and, and analytics and ML and decision making stack. It has been a great pleasure to speak with both of you, and we are out of time, but I just want to thank each one of you for your time and expertise. Knut Alik, 
partner at McKinsey and Company, and the co-author of From Source to Sold, Stories of Leadership and Supply Chain. Thank you so much for joining us on Masters of Digital Transformation today. It was a pleasure. Great conversation. Thanks a lot for having me. Umesh Arasu, the Chief Product Officer at O9 Solutions. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, Caleb and Kanu. It was a great conversation, great topics. And I'd just like to say AI is here and here to stay. So it's only going to get better and will always be a, a moving target, right, as technology is advanced at a rapid pace. So it's up to the businesses in terms of how quickly they want to adapt and, and uh, get on, on board because it's really that 10x enabler for these companies to, to take it to the next level. And thank you, listeners, for tuning into today's episode featuring Knut Alik and Umesh Arasu covering the role of AI in driving supply chain digital transformation. We started by defining what AI is and isn't in supply chain technology before we discussed how AI can be used to sort through the overwhelming amounts of data available to supply chain leaders. And then we closed out the conversation by talking about what next steps supply chain leaders should take in their digital transformation journeys related to artificial intelligence. If you enjoyed today's conversation with Knut and Umesh and you'd like to learn more about the use cases around artificial intelligence, you can check out the O9 Solutions blog titled It's a Toy Story, covering the use of AI in the retail industry to anticipate demand during the holiday season. And that resource is going to be linked in the show notes. To keep up with more episodes of Masters of Digital Transformation, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast app. You can learn more about the activities and learning opportunities available through the AIM10X Innovators Network by following AIM10X on LinkedIn. And again, as we near the end of season three of Masters of Digital Transformation, one of the best ways you can support us and help us get discovered by more business leaders just like yourself is by leaving us that rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So if you could take a few seconds after you finish listening to today's episode and giving us that five-star rating along with a note. As we sign off on today's conversation, I'd like to leave you with these words on digital transformation from Amit Zavery, the head of platform at Google Cloud. Think of digital transformation less as a technology project to be finished than as a state of perpetual agility, always ready to evolve for whatever customers want next, and you'll be pointed down the right path. Join us next week in our final episode of the year, where we'll be speaking with O9 Solutions co-founder Sanjeev Sidhu about how he built two multi-billion dollar companies. We'll catch you again next time.